born to reign and reign in us forever. Can you imagine the glorious day of Christ's birth? We're getting excited about that. This Christmas season, we've entered into December. I don't know if you guys were ready for December, but it's here. Um, whether you've got the plans, whether you've got it all together or not, it's here. And at Valley Baptist Church, it's a busy time and an exciting time and a time for joy and being together as God's people and being together as family. Um, so I'm excited you're here to worship with us today. Today we're actually beginning a new short little series that's going to lead up through the Christmas time. Um, and we're looking at some of the songs of Christmas. We just sang one of my favorites, um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Um, We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm excited about that song. It's got a lot to teach us about the coming Jesus and what he came to do. But we're going to look at some of the songs together that are in the New Testament that actually um, were some of the earliest songs that were sung, prophecies that were given, praises to the Lord that teach us more about who God is, who Jesus is, who we're supposed to be. So let's pray together and ask for God to teach us through his word this morning. Father, you are good. You've kept your promises, every single one of them. None of your words have ever fallen to the ground. You, you, you have always completed all of your tasks. And God, we expect and long for Jesus' return. God, let today be a celebration in our hearts. Not just a, a, a time of going through the ordinary, but let us expect you to move as you do in the extraordinary ways that you come, that you come to glorify your son in our hearts. Lord, fill us with your spirit and teach us from your word. We pray this all knowing that you hear us in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior. Amen. Well, in Luke chapter one, uh, this is where we see this beginning of this story of Jesus and the story of his birth. Um, and before we get to Jesus, however, there was another birth, and there was another couple, uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were actually relatives of Mary and relatives of Jesus, and this one who would be born would be John the Baptist. But we're going to get to him in a second. Let's take a look in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. And it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Now both of them were righteous in the sight of God. They were observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they both were very old. Now once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn the incense. Then, while he was in there, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. Verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 
He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord in a spirit and power of Elijah to turn hearts of parents back to their children and of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteousness to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a word. What an encounter. What just happened? Did you see it? It was the ordinary, typical work of the priest. This was his month. This was his time to be on duty. Zechariah had gone to the temple to do what he had done most times. He had often gotten a job. Maybe it was to, to prepare the sacrificial offerings, to prepare the, 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 the meat that would be placed upon the altar or the grain offerings or to prepare the, the perfumes or, or the things, the incense. But this time it was his job to go into the temple, into the holy place, and actually light the incense and put it before God. That was just going to be his job this month. It was just kind of regular. He's old. He's probably done it many times before. And this month, he was heading in the temple, and there the angel Gabriel appears to him. Now, guys, this had to be an incredible surprise. What a surprise to do what you had done so many times before, but to have it filled with something new. It was a fresh encounter with the Lord. It was something totally unexpected. It was something that was alive and surprising that struck him with fear. Anybody ready for that this morning? I mean, I, I got to be honest. I, I got up and I read a little bit, prayed a little bit, and got, got dressed, you know, had my bowl of Cheerios with the raisins on top. I don't know if anybody else does Cheerios. But anyway, I've gotten allergic a little bit to bananas. It used to be bananas, but I switched to raisins. You know, I've got my little, I got my, anybody got a routine? You've got your morning routine. You, you had your cup of coffee. You, you, you maybe read some news. I, I don't know what you did to get ready for but, you know, you dressed up, you took your shower. I hope you took a shower. But anyway, you did your things to get ready today. But were you ready to encounter God? You see, when we come before the Lord, we come expecting, we should come expecting, a fresh encounter with God. We serve a risen Savior who's in the world today, right? And the hymn's already going through your head. We serve one who has given us the Holy Spirit. So when we come in the mornings to spend our time in devotion, when we come to read parts of Scripture, we come to encounter the living God who is always ready to give us a word. Not just like, oh, well, I want to tell you what you want to hear, but to explain to us, to correct us, to teach us, to fill us. Are you encountering God in a fresh way today? In our college ministries, we just went through some leadership selection. We're right now training new deacons here at this church. We're preparing for our Christmas celebrations. Brothers and sisters, is it kind of similar and ordinary for you? Oh, yeah, it's Christmas time. Got to get out the decorations. Oh, yeah, it's Christmas time. I got to pick up the, you know, those special foods that you only eat just at Christmas time. Um, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. His name's Randy. Um, Randy used to work for the Baptist Convention in Maryland, Delaware. He could tell you any day, he could tell you how many days it is until Christmas. I, I, I'm literally, I mean, you think I'm exaggerating. It didn't matter what day of the year it is. He knew how many days it was until Christmas. And his house did not ever take down the Christmas decorations. He kept them up all year round. Well, I knew him and worked with him for several years. And got to be honest, over that time, he wore more and more red items. Suspenders started showing up in his outfits more. He grew a beard. 
He began to more look and look more and more like Papa Noel or Santa Claus or something. I mean, he began to look like Christmas, right? He began. And I thought, wait a second. Seems a little silly. But wait a second. What if I was expecting not Christmas, but fresh encounter with God every day? What if I'm walking with Jesus every day? So all of a sudden, I don't know that there has to be a beard and sandals, but then my character in my heart, I'm looking more like Jesus. I'm acting more like Jesus. Oh, I can't tell you how many days it is until his return. But I can tell you how many moments it's going to be until I want to hear from him again. Because I want to hear from him every day. I want to hear from him every moment. I want to look more like him, be more like him. You see what just happened, right? Zachariah was going through the ordinary, just like so many of us do. We get into our routines. We get into things where our expectation is of the ordinary, and God wants to fill it with the extraordinary. And when he does, he gives a new mission. He gives a new purpose. He gives an exciting promise. That's what Zachariah experienced, right? You're going to have a child. Your prayers have been answered. Do you think Zachariah was even still praying that prayer at that point? I got to be honest, somewhere along the line, I think he'd said, you know, that ship has sailed. You know, I was praying for a child. I was praying for a son. But, but, I mean, now I'm old. Or do you think those passages about Abraham and Sarah were resonating in his heart and mind? Did, did you think he was maybe still praying, Lord, Lord I, against all hope of hopes? Would, uh, I mean, I know it's unusual. Brothers and sisters, we are those who have inherited the unusual. We are those who have inherited this presence of Jesus that walks with us to do things that are extraordinary. We have become the children with a new mission. His mission was going to be to raise up a child who would be this prophet, who would be this one who would prepare the way for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you know that we, each of us, have inherited the same mission, right? It is our job as the church, as the people of God, to be preparing others, whether they are children, whether they are teenagers, whether they are neighbors, whether we have a mission of preparing for the Lord's return to help people become full conformed to the image of Christ. We also have been entrusted with spiritual children, those who need to know more. And he was given this promise. This child is coming. This one who would be, bring joy to you. And so many of us, our children probably did bring us a lot of joy and a lot of grief. But joy, it's going to be a joy to many. What a promise. You see, it was a gift. It was such a gift. The prayers were answered. Okay, I just got a lot louder. Uh, <clears throat> did I get louder because this just came on? Or I'm going to talk over here. Can you still hear me? Were you not hearing me before? You could. All right. So I'm not starting over because I'm going to start over. Um, just in case you didn't get it, because that was pretty good. It was a pretty good intro. I, I, I like that. I mean, exciting. All right, let's just go on to the gift. Let's go on to the gift. The prayer was answered. We're not going to go through the whole rest of this little story, but the prayer was answered. His wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant in her old age. A son was born. Um, but a mercy was also experienced. You see, Zachariah didn't believe. When the angel told him, hey, Zachariah, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him John, he's going to be a blessing, and he's going to prepare the way, John very quickly was like, um, yeah, I don't know. My wife, we're, we're, we're old. 
I don't know that this is still going to happen at this stage in our lives. I don't know if God could use us in this way. It's just, I, I don't know. And the angel, kind of with a little bit of indignation, says, um, I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to tell you this message. You don't get to question here. God is God. You're not. I was there. I saw him. I know who he is. You don't know. You don't know. And as a result, you're going to be silent until the boy, child is born. Now, I don't know if that was a gift to Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> but he's going to be silent for nine months. But I tell you what, I actually think, not just a judgment, I think that was more of a mercy I think that was a mercy, not just to Elizabeth. I think it was a mercy actually to Zachariah. Can you imagine how every day being in just unable to talk, being unable to communicate everything you wanted to say, everything you wanted to share, everything, every simple task all of a sudden became much more complicated. All of a sudden you had to step back from those conversations for those relationships. You couldn't spend time complaining about what was going on. You couldn't spend time complaining about the day. You couldn't spend time speculating about the weather or about the harvest this year. All of a sudden you were drawn back in some time between you and God. You were drawn back to just remember and to think about with an everyday evidence that God had this call on your life, that God had this mission for you. He had a moment of mercy, nine months of mercy, nine months of silence. Okay, are you a Christmas busy person? You know what I'm talking about, right? All of a sudden, your list of things to do got bigger because you had extra decorations, extra food. Oh, does anybody remember that there's gifts? Yeah, I was reciting with my family, with my wife. I was like, okay, let's go through the gifts. Who did we get gifts for already? Like, you know, have we ordered this online? What are we going to go shopping for? What are, who, oh, and those are the ones that you never know what to buy. And they, So you've got extra shopping. You've got extra cooking. You've got extra decorating. You've got extra cleaning. You've got extra travel. You've got extra, oh, my goodness, it is one of the most wonderful slash busy times of the year. And I think somehow we've allowed it to crowd out the whole purpose of the year. Advent candles. Maybe you grew up in a church that did this. I didn't. My wife did. When I went to visit her church, I thought, what are they doing? Why are we lighting candles? But then I realized their church had tapped into something. Slow down. Have some order to this. Give yourself some mental space to think about, to remember the Lord. And when you're in college, it's the worst because all of a sudden they've got finals and exams and extra papers. And then all of a sudden you get done with finals and you're like, what? Christmas is like tomorrow. And it's like, I, you know, how do we carve out space and time to just say, you know what? This Christmas, I'm getting up extra early on Saturday. What, Saturday? That's my sleeping day. Yeah, but this Christmas, I just need some time with Jesus. This Christmas, I just need some time to think about him, to be silent before him, to be quiet before him. In the hustle and bustle, Zachariah got a gift. Shh! Be quiet. 
nine months. Get ready. Your job is to help raise this young man, John the Baptist, who would end up going before the Lord to prepare the way for Jesus, to turn people's hearts back to God. John the Baptist had a task. He would be great in the sight of the Lord, not great in the sight of men. He had nothing. I mean, he had literally no possessions. He lived in the woods. He literally had nothing that anyone would say, boy, this guy's really made it. But he was great in the sight of the Lord in the task that he had, a mercy experience. And finally, our focus this morning is on a task, a prophecy proclaimed. Zechariah, yeah, he was silent, but when he wrote on that tablet, they asked him, what is the child's name? He says, his name is John. They're like, nobody has that name. His name is John. All of a sudden, his voice was loosed. He could proclaim what God had welled up inside him for nine months. All of a sudden comes out. Let's take a look at this first Christmas song. Verse 67 of Luke chapter 1. When Zechariah, his father, was filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation uh, in the house of his servant David, as he has promised through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show us mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path. What a song. What a prophetic message. In this passage, there are some things I want you to, to pick out. I, I, sometimes we, we lead, read these passages um, of prophetic texts, of s- psalms and hymns, and, and the word kind of like, and praise be the God of Israel, who blah, 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 blah. I think we accidentally, okay, more like our lack of attention, we slip into, I don't know what to call it, but there's a mode. I kind of call it Charlie Brown mode. Um, I, you know what Charlie Brown, the kids look like when the teachers were talking? And the adults? That happens in my class quite a bit. I, I, I look at their faces, I'm thinking, you're not hearing a word I'm saying. You're not, nothing's going in there. You're, you're, you're there, you're looking at me. Some of you are even doing this, and I'm thinking, no, you're, you're not getting it. I, I, I know that that's happening. For some reason, some passages, especially these ones that are very dense with with truth, filled with truth, sometimes we kind of hear this guac, guac, guac. So pause for a second. Let's walk through it. I want to show you a couple things. He began his praise uh, with, it was about God's presence. Um, He began the praise with um, a realization of God's presence that had come to his people. Let's look at it. Verse 67. His father, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied what? Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Why? Because he's come. Because he's come and redeemed them. 
because he has come to his people. Isaiah chapter 7 kind of has this, right? Um, this is one of these big passages that we look at at Christmas time. Uh, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What? The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. What, what, what does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel, God with us. He has come with us. When Jesus comes and, and he's walking and he's with his people, one of my favorite scenes is, is in uh, Luke chapter 7. And all of a sudden, in verse 11, we see this scene where there's a woman uh, in the city of Nain and her child has died, her only son, and she's a widow. And there is no hope. They are carrying him out to be buried. The, right, right, the nail's in the coffin, literally. He is dead. He is gone. It is over. She has no hope. She has no future. She's a widow. She has no more family. And all of the town is grieved for her. And walking up, this crowd of people in mourning encounters a crowd of people that are rejoicing because they're walking in with Jesus and they're like, Woo, he's here, he's here, the Messiah. And these crowds smash into one another. And Jesus says one of the most insensitive things. He just walks up to the woman and says, woman, don't cry. Now it's insensitive unless you're Jesus, right? Because it's not insensitive for Jesus because Jesus is about to fix this problem because it's a problem. I mean, it's over for all of us, but for the one who is the author of life, he just walked up to the, to the pyre. He just walked up to the plank that they were carrying the child on and just said, little boy, get up. And the kid sits up and starts talking and he gives him back to his mother and every, the crowd just go berserk. Everybody's going wild and they're proclaiming this. A prophet has come, a great prophet. The Lord God has come to help his people. God with us. You realize that's us this morning, right? You realize that's our reality today. God has come to help his people. Um, Zechariah is making this prophecy that Jesus is about to appear. The presence is about to be realized. The promise that God has given is about to be kept. And that's number two that I want you to see. The promise that God had given throughout the ages was about to be fulfilled in Jesus because our God keeps his promises. In verse 69, it says that he has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. You see, God prophesied through all the prophets. We can look at Ezekiel. We can look at Jeremiah. We're going to look at some of them. There's these prophecies about a king who would come in the lineage of David, this Messiah who would come, who would change everything, who would bring salvation, forgiveness for sins, new life, the Holy Spirit, all of these realities. Look what it says in verse 15. In those days, at that time, I will make a righteous branch, one from David's line, a king, a Messiah. He will do what is just, what is right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety, and the name by which you will be called, you can't quite see it on the screen, but it's the Lord, our righteous Savior. Jesus, the righteous Savior, the Lord, our righteous King. He came at just the right time to answer all of the promises, all of the predictions, all of the hopes, all of the dreams, all of the desperation. God fulfilled them in one person. In Romans chapter 5, it says, see this, at just the right time, just the right time, when we were powerless, when we were hopeless, when there was nothing we could do for our sin, when there was no way we could get out of darkness, when we were stuck in the mud, when we were unable to rescue ourselves, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus paid for our sins. He went to the cross. He came. He dwelt. He died. And he rose again. This is what we celebrate weekly, daily, momently. This is our life. Christmas is not about the list of presents I got to get or the food we're going to eat. Christmas is not about the family and the experiences we're going to share. Christmas is about the King, and the King has come. Jesus, our righteous Savior, He is with us now. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, amen, amen. I mean, you get, there's no like, you know, but there needs to be a little woo-hoo. Okay, thank you. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm getting excited about Christmas this year because I'm wanting more. I want to see, I want to remember the promises have been kept and there's more to come. All right, finally, don't miss this. Zechariah has a purpose that was fulfilled. Watch this. It's God's purpose that was fulfilled. What did he do in verse 72? It says to show mercy to our ancestors. Okay, <clears throat> a little quick theology here, right? In Romans, you know, there were people that were not before Jesus because Jesus was before all things. All things were created by him, for him. But, but, but the idea that before Jesus came and died on the cross, there was a King David and Abraham and Isaiah and Jeremiah and faithful people that loved God but that also sinned and needed a sacrifice for their sins. And you know that the blood of bulls and rams, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament says, none of that could ever take away sins. So all of a sudden, how were those people forgiven? How were those sins paid for? How were they taken away? When Jesus came, it was also to show the faithful mercy to the ancestors. In Romans chapter uh, 3, the apostle Paul explains that God in his forbearance left the sins committed beforehand unpunished so as to be just, in other words, one who would punish sin, and justifier, because he had those sins paid for in Christ Jesus. All of the sins of humanity, past, present, future, all of them were paid for on one day by one king, by one savior. When Jesus went to the cross, he, the author of life, the one by whom and for whom the universe was made, he took all of the sins upon himself. He took it all, and he, the only one who is worth more than all the rest of us put together, paid and gave us the ultimate gift, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation, paying for our sins. And that, that's just a little side note. That wasn't really what this is about, but that's what it's all about. And I think it's all about. Anyway, it's all about him. It showed mercy to the ancestors and to remember his holy covenant that he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Brothers and sisters, we've been rescued. We've been rescued. In Colossians chapter 1, there's a great passage. It says that we are always supposed to be, as, in living a worthy life, rejoicing, rejoicing that he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light. For Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves. God rescued us through Jesus, taking us out of the grasp, out of the power, out of the, uh, out of the realm of the enemy and has brought us into a new kingdom, the kingdom of the son he loves. We have been 
rescued. And in this, Zechariah is predicting that rescue that was about to occur. It's from the hand of our enemies. And we still have enemies today, not physical people. The scripture's clear. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principality and powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in the, of evil in the heavenly realms. These things are, are, are our attacker upon our lives. And yet, Jesus rescues us from them all. We don't know a lot about the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. We don't know about the the, the dark and evil things. We don't have a lot. The scripture doesn't tell us because we don't need to know. We just need to know the guy who rescues us. We just need to know the Savior, and we need to stick real close to him. But also, don't miss this, to enable us to serve him all of our lives without fear in holiness and righteousness. All our days. Salvation is not just forgiveness for sins. Though it is. We just talked about that. So don't miss it. Salvation is not just eternal life in heaven. Though it is. Don't miss it. But salvation also includes an ability to serve him in righteousness and in holiness all our days. Without Jesus, we don't receive the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, you can't serve him in holiness and righteousness. Now, can you do some good things? Sure. Can you be some nice people occasionally? Yes. But all the way through us, there is a wickedness. All the way through us, there is a selfishness. All the way through us, there is a propensity to to run away from God. It's just in there. I know it. You know it. And if you don't think you got it, look at kids. I love them. They're beautiful. They're wonderful but they do bad stuff. They just have, <clears throat> yesterday, um, Friday, I got a really great opportunity to see my oldest friend in the world. We, we met when we were two years old. Uh, our parents lived, they were military, and, then, and then, then later, our parents got back together when we were in elementary school. We grew up together, and we were citing stories for his wife that he's like, oh, Oh, what were you doing? I don't know how we survived, right? Um, but we made it. You know, we're so, oldest friend in the world, right? Um, and, and yet, able to serve without Jesus. Well, we were able to share this bond that we have now in Christ. It was such a good thing. It was this. It was this incredible story of, of how God has brought us back, kind of together. It's not just about the future. It's not just about the eternity. It's about right now that we are able to serve because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We are able to serve God in righteousness and holiness all our days, all our days. This is a gift, brothers and sisters. This is part of what we rejoice over. The salvation that has come, the God who is with us, the salvation that's coming, the King who is coming back, but the salvation that is now, the transformation that's happening within each of us, by the Holy Spirit. I told you there's songs we're going to sing. During the Christmas season, I don't know if you look forward to them. <clears throat> I got to be honest, I don't look forward to the ones that are on the radio that kind of take over the radio for like the, the month or like something about some Christmas donkey and some guy with jingle bells. There, 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 there's things I'm just like, I, I just, I'm not interested in those. But the carols, the carols I love. But I kind of just sing them out of rote memory, you know? Hark the herald angels sing. But they've got so much to them. This one does especially, I like. Um, Come thou long expected Jesus. Come thou long expected Jesus. You were born to set your people free. 
to release us from the fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Did you hear the themes from this year, from this message? The rest, the quietness, the release from the enemy. He's Israel's strength, consolation. He's hope of the whole earth. He's the desire of every nation, and he's the true joy of every longing heart. He was born, born his people to deliver. He was born a child, but he was still already the king. He was born to reign and reign forever in us. Reign in us forever. Now be thy, bring thy gracious kingdom. Can you see it? Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in our hearts alone. By thy own all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. You see that through the passage of this, this, this short hymn written so long ago by John Wesley, it's not Chris Tomlin, those people made it famous again, I think. You see all the themes of the coming Savior, the one who would bring salvation, who would live with us, who would be a king and reign in our hearts daily. Yeah, it's there. It's there. Would you sing the hymns with me? Would you sing the carols with new anticipation that God would speak to our hearts in a fresh encounter, in a fresh way? Would you be about God's mission this year? Not about bringing gifts and presents and treats and cookies, but about bringing the message and good news of Jesus. Invite someone here. Invite someone to your home. Invite someone along with you because it's about that purpose. It's about his kingdom. It's about salvation, not just for us, but for the world. This is what God has given us in the carols to remember what he has done and to remember what he's doing. Well, you don't experience that without Jesus. So this morning, if you don't have Jesus in your life, whether you're listening online or sitting here, would you ask Jesus to come and forgive you, to be your Savior, to enter your life? You see, for us as Christians, we have the Advent candles, we have the carols, but we also have another way we celebrate and we remember all that Jesus did. Joe led us in a song a little bit ago that just said this, I, I don't think I'll ever know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. We have a moment that we're going to take today to remember, to remember the cross of Jesus. And so I want to invite you to remember and think about his blood that was shed, about the crown of thorns on his head, about the, the, the flesh that was ripped from his back as he was nailed to a tree to die for you and to die for me. I, I want you to take a moment to think about the sins of all eternity, of all creation, of all humanity, placed upon him in that singular moment to justify us before our God. Would you remember what Jesus did? On the night Jesus was betrayed, Scripture tells us that he took a cup and they took some bread to help us remember. So before we take the Lord's Supper together, I want you to take a moment to reflect on your heart, to think about what God has, has done through his son and the sacrifice that Jesus made. If there's anyone who doesn't have um, a cup, we have some for you. Just slip up your hand. Um, the ushers are coming.
Jesus on the night he was betrayed, scripture tells us. That when he was with his disciples, it says he took bread and he said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread when you're ready. gift of your son Jesus for the what he endured on the cross and the suffering in his flesh to bring us to you we pray in Jesus' name scripture tells us that in the same way after the supper Jesus took a cup and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me when you're ready remember the blood of the covenant that Jesus shed for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you gave your life for us, that your blood was built for us, shed for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. All of your merit given to us, who don't deserve any of it, but out of your love, you gave it all. Thank you for your surrender. Help us be surrendered. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Today, you might have a decision uh, that you want to make with this congregation. Maybe it's a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you said, look, I, 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 I've been coming, I've been doing all this stuff, but the truth of the matter is I haven't had any encounters with God because I've never met Jesus in the first place, but I want to do it today. If that's you, while we stand and sing, you want to come and, and, and either right where you are or come down, we would love to explain to you more about what it is to meet Jesus, to encounter him and to experience his life. For those of you perhaps that maybe you've known Jesus for a while, but you want a fresh encounter. You're just saying, God, I, I, I want all of you in all of me. And you just need to make that moment of surrender. Would you take this time as we sing this song to surrender? I'll be up front. Uh, uh, David will be here, Barry. If you want to speak with someone um, uh, about what God is speaking in your heart, you do so. And some of you, maybe this is the church you're supposed to join. You've been kind of looking, you've been kind of thinking, but you know that this is a place that God has called you to be, and you need to be here. Would you respond as Jesus is calling you?